people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want, want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello again, this is Sri Chalapa with People Strategy Leaders Podcast. Today, I'm super excited to have Jen Kirkwood, um, who's an executive with over 27 years of reputed project and board level executive experience in the human capital industry and data strategy. Currently, she leads global data at, for talent at IBM, focusing on HR technology and data and AI. She sits on the AI, IBM's AI ethics board and is passionate about ethical AI and DEI. She's been part of award-winning teams for data science and HR and considered a leading pioneer in data strategy in HR for her innovation and insights. She's passionate about diversity, equity, and inclusion and the role data can play to promote DEI interests. What an exciting time it is for that. Uh, welcome to the show, Jen. Thank you so much, Sri. I'm happy to be here. It's, it's so exciting. You know, you are one of the rare people I have talked to who actually came from a data background and then gravitated towards HR, mm -hmm. HR background. So I guess I'm going to just start off with, you know, the, uh, there's, we've been seeing a lot more impact of data in HCM. So what is your view on the impact data science can have on HCM and how do you really see it impacting people's lives at work? There's so much excitement in the world of work right now with data. Um, you know, we see it in our consumer lives, and certainly that impact has now moved towards what the world of work is offering. And I've been really excited and humbled to have seen it at its inception from early in my career to now seeing this acceleration now. Um, you know, and the biggest thing to keep in mind is that, you know, when you look at data science and notably when we think data science, we're thinking more than just data reporting or key data metrics. We're really thinking about artificial intelligence, AI and automation. And if you think about it in general, humans have on average over 160 unconscious biases. And so if you look at something in human capital, and I've worked in all the different domains of human capital and span that, you know, hiring alone has dramatically improved by just taking the resume process. And we all know that a hiring manager or uh, just looking at the hiring process, the amount of bias that can happen with just looking at a name, where if it's a female name, an ethnic name, the, eth the bias that can come in that erodes the candidate process from just looking at a name, or maybe it's where the school is or a zip code of where that individual went to school. So an AI process or a data science model can possibly impact that hiring just in that process alone. And we've seen that over the past you know, nine or 10 years, but now we're seeing it in other ways. And the pandemic itself has really propelled the movement, the impact and the focus that lens that the human capital world has now put on data science and really the implications that executive, the CEO 
is now expecting the CHRO and that department to be leveraging AI because strategically it has to happen. Innovation impacts since the pandemic, the great resignation to the quiet quitting, whatever trend it's going to be, data science puts that lens on to be able to look at that and say, where are my talent trends? It's beyond predictive attrition or what is my flight risk to where are my skills of today? Where are my skills gaps? And how am I going to get there? And what are my skills of the future? And answering those questions, there's never been a more exciting time for HR to lean into data science. That's why I think I've always had the pleasure of enjoying my job and watching it grow within the human capital industry and helping HR. So if you think about some of the biggest challenges facing uh, organizations today, uh, you know, DEI is one of them, mm-hmm. uh, engagement, uh, retention, productivity, things of this nature. Where do you think some of the biggest applications are uh, today? Obviously, there's going to be more in the future, and I'll come to that in a minute, but I want to understand where are some of the biggest challenges are that AI and data science can solve? The biggest challenges they can solve? Well, certainly, as we're talking about today, we went from the great resignation to the quiet quitting. And, you know, I look every single day with quiet clients at where's my engagement. And I love this because for the first time since the pandemic, the employees are in the driver's seat and the employee's voice means more than anything. And certainly one of my favorites with Engagely and the engagement data and the ability to now look at the engagement data, see what's going on in the organization, and then look at how do we thoughtfully coach managers and leaders and present that path and that type of prescriptive curated path to say, what do I do next? Mm-hmm. And what is the right path? Because if you don't provide the data insights, you know, we've said um, you can provide predictive attrition, for example, what, who is my flight risk? And some companies provide that and without the right recommendations. And you think an employee is go a leader would do right by that and say, well, I'm, they're going to just go and take them to coffee. But what if an employee, what if a leader takes retributive action and says, that person is a flight risk? What if I'm just not going to approve their time off? Not going to approve their vacation. I'm not going to give them their shifts they want. They're going to take retributive action, which creates risk for the organization. So when we take some of the biggest challenges of engagement and we look at the most thoughtful insights around engagement, leader coaching and that frontline leader, and we look at the hyper-personalization that data science can provide, these are some of the most provocative conversations that we're having with leaders. Then we look at things like productivity. How do you get more? Certainly the world of hybrid work has been a tug of war between organizations of do we, don't we, or can we land in the middle? And so at the end, at the center of it is how do we measure productivity? And the productivity world has landed on uh, exempt and non-exempt workers. And the productivity debate is going on. And the productivity measurements are now front and center with all the organizations. And we're looking at how we measure productivity at what level, and then what level do we expect from our workforce? And that is now what data science is looking to not only answer today, but then predict for the future and forecast, not just from workforce planning, but then from a skills measurement, as as we look at the skills that are expiring and that are aging and that we can automate, what do we then want to advance? Yeah. And the productivity becomes an important aspect also because, you know, people can't, even with all the uh, 
you know, recession and layoffs that might be happening, it's still very hard to hire the right people in your roles. And you can't be constantly be in this hiring stage to uh, backfill the needs. You got to figure out how to get more out of the people you have by giving augmenting with tools, but also upskilling them. And I guess AI can play a big part in that, right? Yes. And, you know, one of the things I would also add is that, you know, when you're hiring and then you're reskilling, you know, you look at the new opportunities too. And some of the asks of HR are now along the lines of ESG. And ESG, environmental, sustainability, and governance are the new big pieces that the organizations are striving to, in fact, they're competing on. And one of the pieces that is a key item that falls under ESG is diversity, equity, inclusion. Right. And I'm thrilled to see more and more initiatives around diversity, equity, inclusion, more than just putting in a few programs here and there or trying to do something around pay equity, that now it is competitive talent weaponry. And so when you look at programs like ESG and DEI, they're being used for the recruiting and the retention. And HR is being really getting very, very strong in this. But now they're looking for the key trends in the workforce. Like, what is that having an impact on my top talent and the skills I'm trying to retain? If I'm losing my key skills, and I just met with an organization on this that was looking at some of their quick quicks, quick quits, and some of their really tenured folks in skills. And we took another cut at the diversity pieces and we started to predict some of their different attrition pieces of their top skills. And lo and behold, we looked from a diversity lens and it was several key different managers and leaders that were having an impact from the diversity trends. And we saw the behavioral patterns and we could start to predict from a behavioral pattern based on key leaders. And of course that tells us the biases that are going on, the learning needs of the organization, and then where the leadership corrective option is. So when you said the impacts, are you talking about like positive impacts or negative impacts? In Those in particular were negative impacts in the organization, but then we also could see positive impacts because we could see better innovation in terms of sales, growth, and customer impact on positive impacts. So the data science can look at then taking in um, external data with you know, sales and customer impact and look at other types of pieces and say the most diverse teams were having a better impact, like from an engineering standpoint, they were driving out more innovative products. They were having a better impact on getting growth to product, getting a product to market. Um, another one was having a better impact from the diverse team in terms of customer scores. So there was both ways to look at those pieces with the diversity of inclusion under their ESG initiatives. Yeah. You know, one thing that I think about when you think about the traditional HR, you know, you think about payroll, you know, and I think this, this new movement makes HR different. It's like they have to now upscale themselves and think data. They have to think strategy. They have to think, uh, you know, uh, beyond just engagement from a very measurement perspective, but you know, the overall talent strategy and how to align the business strategy. So what advice would you give to the HR that want to be this new HR of tomorrow? Yeah, I would, I would advise that, you know, they need to take a page from marketing where marketing propelled to the top is when marketing was leveraging data science. And now it is the expectation of HR. It's not even a, a request. It is the expectation of HR now by the C-suite that you must be using data science because now with the pandemic focus, it has put that lens on HR. 
and the best CHROs now are providing the market insight into where am I contracting and where am I expanding in the market analysis. And the market analysis was not just I'm providing compensation wage analysis and to here are the best markets. No, they're advising into the markets on, markets on here are the best skills, here are the best skills in one to two years. They're providing the knowledge insights into the learning plans. They're providing the leader insights and they're advising their C-suite based on the data science trends. And they're doing so without the provocation of things like the SEC insights that are demanding for human capital management insights. I mean, with even the SEC implications, that is demanding insights that I liken to financial insights. That's the imperative of having data insights and data science insights in the HR organization. So the data literacy that is required of the CHRO's organization is bar none mandatory. And it cannot be confined to just the people analytics team that they may have. Data literacy must be at every HR leader now. And it doesn't mean they have to be a data science expert but they must have understanding. And the reason they must have understanding is one, data literacy is just expected. That mm -hmm. is the business language of HR now. If they're going to talk to anyone in the business, that is the language. And I'm always very impressed with the Gen Z and the millennial HR and labor industrial relations and the HR IT leaders that are up and coming from the schools that I work with because they're very savvy on these skills and they're adding it to all of their acumen and portfolios. But even from the standpoint of the legislation and the regulation that is coming out, it is a demanding from an ethical AI standpoint and the regulations demand explainability, robustness and transparency to all of candidates and employees. So if you expect a recruiter or you do expect a recruiter to be able to answer for a candidate, how is my data used? If I'm doing video interviewing, how do I know the scoring is fair? If I'm, a, if I'm an employee, how do I know your promotional process is fair? How do you use recommendations? These type of everyday questions are now the standard, just like consumers on the marketing side want to know their fairness and what their data is used for. So should, so do candidates and employees. And the White House of the United States just released their Bill of Rights, so, so to speak, on AI and algorithmic fairness and the laws in the U.S., are changing every single day from city, state, and the Federal Bipartisan Act, which we expect to be coming shortly. So can we talk about the regulations uh, that you expect to show up in the next few months or years that HR needs to be prepared for? Yes, um, they are aggressive. So the EU, first of all, Asia and China and PIDL have already pushed theirs through. And those are very aggressive in terms of data privacy, as well as AI and algorithmic uh, regulations. But Canada, the EU, the UK, um, other countries such as Czechoslovakia, and Czechoslovakia already has case law that's documented on some of these pieces, many have them pending or have passed. In New York City, New York City passed a regulation, which is a first-of-a-kind law in the United States, which has everyone's hair on fire right now. They passed it in December 2021, and it goes into effect January 1st of 2023, as in the next few coming months. And that's a first of a kind law with others behind, including Washington, which is looking to follow suit very shortly. And the reason I highlight that one, because addition to California, which has data privacy laws, 
and as transparency and pay laws and other types of laws right. are passing, and EEOC, which passed additional algorithmic um, and AI and automation guidelines in May 22nd of this year. The New York one I highlight because it applies to all New York residents, not just companies, even if you're not headquartered there, it's anyone who has New York residents that are applying for jobs there. Um, that one is insisting on all auditing and accountability of every vendor, software, computerized process, not just AI, computerized process and recommendation that doesn't have a human in the loop. And that is on candidate, hiring, uh, promotional processes, all hiring, which includes sourcing, screening, background checks, um, applicant management systems. So if you have resume parsing, which is natural language processing, right? Um, video interviewing, which is scoring, video interviewing, which hasn't been allowed in the state of Illinois for some time now, but interviewing, video interviewing, and of course we know there's facial recognition bias where sometimes African-Americans don't show up on facial recognition or dimples can suggest um, you know, unethical or lying on videos. There, there's so much bias in, in, in those types of systems that you have to check for, but it's asking for a, a thorough accounting of all the systems, the models, and looking for bias of all those systems, including homegrown systems that have the recommendations, again, taking a human out of the loop. Now it's asking for all of that done a year in advance of using any tools or any tool you put in place also has to have this accounting by a third party, not just your own, but by a third party assessment by January 1st of this coming year. And if, if you perform all of this, you have to publish it on your website with this third party accounting. It has new calculations or new um, assessment requirements. It's extremely um, robust of governance of what it's insisting on that it just published updates to at the end of September. And I highlight this one because there's more coming. And you have to provide your candidates, if they don't feel comfortable with this process, a manual or non-automated experience. Automated experience, non-automated non experience, two different ways, which is absolutely going to be frightening for High volume employers, let's say, that are going through seasonality in yes. these. Mm -hmm. The Christmas uh, season hiring, that's going to be very problematic for these. And the companies that I talk to in chief talent officers and CHROs are absolutely astounded when I have been talking to them about it because they have no idea. And the issue is, it's not illegal. I've been brought in by companies that they're legal and their IT are at the table and their HR or talent positions at the table. And nobody knows who to own it because it requires process design that only HR governs. Legal can weigh in on what to do. IT is weighing in. Legal saying shut down the AI. We can't shut down AI that's been there 10 years. But as we know, human decision-making is an artifact that then the machine trains on. And that erodes over time. And if we're not inspecting for bias, because that is at the heart and the intent of this is to inspect for bias. The bias will grow. And just like we know of other different big brands that have made the news, you know, if you don't have a diverse team that is coding this, if you have, for example, all white men, 
that are, and there was a company that did this, a very large company in the news that did this. They had all white men programming a hiring algorithm, and therefore the algorithm hire all white men. It is always helpful when you have a diverse team programming, but then you always have to check for bias. And this law is requiring annual inspections of any tool, every tool in the ecosystem, hiring, promotion, pay on candidates and internal candidates for mobility and promotion. This is huge, absolutely huge. And this is just one law, much less all the global governance that are in pay, are in play or are pending. So this becomes an everyday responsibility and data literacy role of HR. Yeah, and I think it is even complicated by the hybrid work, workforce now, right? Yes. So now yes. you just don't hire in your city or in your country anymore. You're hiring all over the world. I mean, we have uh, employees in probably 10 cities, uh, you know, across the world, really, you know, and we are not even that big of a company at this point. Yes. So I can only imagine, you know, a company the size of, for example, IBM or something like that. It's going to be a huge, huge undertaking to do well, that. And- it's, it's a tremendous undertaking, but the great thing is, is, you know, I believe in ethical design so much. And, you know, as an example, as consumers is, you know, there were researchers who developed a system like Grover. And what Grover found a couple of years ago is they found all the fake news on the media and the structured and the unstructured of texts and images and, and videos that were created by AI. And when these researchers created Grover and this algorithm, it was able to detect what was fake news and what wasn't. And so when people generated AI generated fake news, they found that AI generated fake news, they thought was more trustworthy than people news. And so a lot of this legislation was actually generated because people were trusting the AI more than humans. So, you know, we have to be extremely careful in our everyday lives, much less our workforce lives where we're making human decisions on whether people have jobs and livelihoods are not. So AI can be fantastic, but it always must be used, as we say, with great power comes great responsibility, very carefully and thoughtfully and at the right intersections. Yeah. So one last question before we wrap this up. Um, what's your prediction for the next, you know, five, seven years? I don't know what the time frame is. Things yeah. move so fast to five years, might be 50 years in, in uh, historical terms. Uh, I think we're going to be doing uh, one more with quantum for certain. Um, I'll I'll hold on my predictions on the quantum piece, but we are going to be leveraging more on data every day in terms of um, cognitive. It will be more intelligence augmentation, um, the augmentation of that, more conversational. The conversational will be so fluid that we will not understand that it will be a chat bot. There will be so much intelligence out there, it will be chatting fluidly with us and it won't be um, a digital home assistant. It will be something far greater than that in terms of the workforce. Um, everything will be very conversational flow. Um, we use something like that today at my current employer, which is absolutely fantastic, but we'll get even more conversational and fluid um, with no keyboard required. Is my prediction, as my prediction. Uh, from a data science piece, I think we're going to do more on skills and the skills being, I just don't want to do skills tagging and we're doing this today. I want to know more about skills proficiency. I don't want to know what people have put in LinkedIn. I want to know what they really do. And so, yes, there's some of that's blockchain, 
But from a data privacy, I want more secure pieces. I really want to know validated skills proficiency. And we've got to get better at that in the world. And so I think we're going to double down, triple down on those pieces because that data security and the data privacy, not only the legislation and the regulations coming in, which will tighten things up, I think it'll pause for a little bit while the legislation comes in on all the data privacy and the data sharing. But then we're going to have some good validation, I believe, that will help on that data sharing to credentialize more on the true skills, both from a validation and the proficiency levels again, because I think that's really needed from an employment standpoint. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot, Jen. This has been an insightful conversation. I could keep going on this because data is one of my favorite subjects too, uh, since I come from an engineering background myself. But um, I really appreciate your time here, Jen. How can people reach out to you if they want to connect with you? Please connect with me on LinkedIn um, or jennifer.kirkwood at ibm.com. Thank you, Jennifer. Until next time. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.